Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. I'm here out of complete obedience. I am here because I kept feeling, feeling that tug. And yes, I took odd jobs in that season, but I refused to commit to anything that was not in alignment with that path. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with me, Patrice Washington. This is a space where we believe in the mantra, chase purpose, not money. Redefining wealth is all about understanding that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. In this community, we understand that wealth is actually about the condition of well-being. That was the original definition. And so each and every week, we seek to unpack what that looks like by using the six pillars of wealth. If you want to know more about that, I invite you to go to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. You can get a free audio training that will break down for you what I'm talking about when I mention the six pillars of wealth and really bring you into our community. I also want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. And if you are an OG listener, a faithful listener, a purpose chaser, then make sure you are rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast because uh, it really makes a difference. Now, today I'm sitting down with myself. I am sitting down with myself. I have been reflecting on three times that I have chosen to chase purpose, not money. I know that you hear me say it all the time. And for you, you might be wondering, how do I start to make decisions from that lens? I'm gonna share with you some of my experiences and even the questions that I've had to ask myself in order to make sure that my decisions were truly in alignment for me. So before we get to that though, uh, let's jump into the affirmation of the week. You know, you gotta speak positivity into your life, into your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to wealth. Now, this week is an affirmation, but I really feel it's more of a declaration. 
And this is what it is. I am a purpose chaser. I believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. I am deeply committed to personal development and I strive proactively to become my best self. I make faith and spirituality the foundation for how I live my life. I am resilient and learning to embrace that crisis happens for me, not to me. As a purpose chaser, I love learning and expanding my knowledge base and believe that intentionally not growing is the equivalent of self-sabotage. I want to experience the finer things in life, but I'm not driven or motivated by money alone. As a purpose chaser, I want to do good, but I still want to make damn good money doing what I do in the world. And in my ideal world, I am able to create harmony between a successful, thriving career and an engaged home life. I strive daily to live my life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever feeling like I have to chase money. I am a purpose chaser. All right. So again, I know that you have heard me talk about this mantra, chase purpose, not money for so many years. And if you're brand new to the community, obviously this is a new concept possibly for you, but maybe you've been here for some time and you're like, I get it. I want to get on board with it. I think I feel it in my spirit. I just don't know if that's how I'm actually living my life. I don't know if I'm actually making decisions from that lens. And I want to use my examples um, to hopefully help you navigate what it feels like to make choices from this space. Now, I will say that I also wanted to do this episode because I hear from people so often who say to me, I'm not going to say they're snarky, but I'm going to say maybe they are just skeptical about someone who obviously has a thriving career and platform saying, we'll chase purpose, not money. What I hear from people often is, well, it's easy for you to say, it's easy for you to say chase purpose, not money, because you have money, right? But I have to caution you. I believe that I'm here because I've made those decisions and I've made decisions from this lens of chase purpose, not money, not the other way around. This isn't new to me, right? Like, like we say, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. So for many years going back before you guys knew of America's money maven and the books and the television and the radio and all of these things I've been so blessed and fortunate to do, I was making decisions rooted in chasing purpose, not money. Um, and as my career has grown and as I have been offered new opportunities and had, you know, new possibilities put in front of my face, I've still had to make decisions about whether what I would do was in alignment with my purpose or would I just be doing it for a paycheck? And I don't think I'm done, right? I think that at each level, you're going to be presented with new opportunities. You're going to be exposed to new possibilities. And you will always have to ask yourself certain questions to see if what you are doing is really in alignment with what you feel called to do and what you feel purpose to do, or if you're simply doing it because there was some dollar amount 
that really made your eyeballs like, you know, your eyes open or, or your stomach turn or butterflies or whatever happens when you're like, ooh, this is it. I think that many of us, you know, end up in positions where we have to make those decisions, where we have to ask ourselves the tough questions. And for you, it could be, are you going to do that thing that's an extra few dollars an hour, even though you know you hate it? And then for some of you, it could be, am I going to take that job that's $10,000 more a year with great benefits, but I know that I know that I know that I don't belong there, that I would be using my gifts in the wrong space, in the wrong industry, in the wrong ministry with the wrong people. And for some of you who are entrepreneurs, it's going to be, do I work with those clients even though I don't like them? <laughs> like, even though I know that this is not what I should be doing, you know, do I take that contract knowing that it's going to literally kill my family life and I will have no time to take care of my physical and mental health, but it comes with a nice check, right? We face these questions all the time. And if you are in complete survival mode, I do understand doing what you have to do. Because when I was in complete survival mode in 2009 and early 2010, yes, I was bartering and doing odd jobs and taking on little gigs so that I can get the money um, to pay the light bill. You know, quite frankly, I was on food stamps at the time. So, you know, food was taken care of, but pretty much nothing else was. And I know that I took odd jobs. I also know that I refused to commit to like something that would distract me fully because I knew by that time I had been called to support people with personal finance, even though I was in one of the lowest times of my life financially. I still kept feeling this nudge, this call, this tug, this pull that I should be helping people in this area. And it was the strangest thing and it had no logic behind it. I'm just going to keep it real. It was one of the most illogical things possible. Here is someone who has had a home foreclosed. They've had to lay off an entire team. They are robbing Peter to pay Paul, as my granny used to say. Like nothing was making sense financially. And yet I felt this call that I was supposed to help people with personal finance. And I'm so glad that I answered the call. It was not logical. And I know sometimes you want to hear really logical things. It wasn't logical. I'm here out of complete obedience. I am here because I kept feeling, feeling that tug. And yes, I took odd jobs in that season, but I refused to commit to anything that was not in alignment with that path. And so let's just jump in to the three times that I chased purpose, not money. And I think it'll help illustrate for you how I got here. Now, the very first time, I would say, not the first time, but the first example I wanna use, because the three examples that I'm choosing to use are the most significant um, although I've had so many opportunities, uh, just like you probably have, but the most significant one that I would like to begin with is the time that in 2010, um, Steve Harvey's manager, Rashawn, offered me a job in their office. Now, a little backstory. 
I was an intern on the Steve Harvey Morning Show when it was just a show based in Los Angeles when I was in college. I met Steve when I was about 19 years old and I was supposed to be an intern on the radio show. I think it was for 60 days, no more than 90 days. At that time, the radio station would just bring in interns and they would just rotate them, right? You were not gonna get paid, it was an unpaid internship. And <laughs> my dad made me quit my job. Uh, I was working front desk graveyard at a Westin Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And when my dad found out I was working 50 hours a week, he was like, that's insane. Absolutely no, no. <laughs> and I love the money. I was making my own little money and paying my little car insurance and doing all the things. Um, and I had to quit my job. And some weeks before I had met the Steve Harvey team, that's a whole story we'll have to get into another day. But uh, David, who, who kind of ran things for them back then, uh, had offered me a, a opportunity to be an intern. And initially I said, no, I was like, is it paid? Mm -mm, not gonna do that, true story. And then when my dad made me quit my job, I felt like I had too much time on my hands. I was used to working full-time and being a full-time student. And I felt like I could get into trouble if I didn't have something productive to do. Work study was only gonna give me 10 hours a week. So I called David back and said, I can be an intern. I ended up being an intern and I was supposed to be there for 60 days. Well, that turned into two and a half years. I was an intern right through uh, my college graduation and um, not an intern, I actually got hired on after a bit there and I worked with them for two and a half years. Well, you fast forward to when I lost everything in the recession, ended up on my brother's couch in Buckhead, Atlanta and Shirley Strawberry, who's a co-host on the show, had become a nationally syndicated show by then, um, kind of brought me back into the fold. And by then I had started to volunteer at a financial education nonprofit. And I was just volunteering. I just did it so that I could learn more about financial education. I wanted to meet people in that space. I wanted to be exposed to what the possibilities were. And I honestly was looking for ways just to like build my voice and give back. And so I became like the star intern. <laughs> I'm not intern, excuse me, volunteer at this nonprofit. Like every time they sent an email about out about needing someone, I was like, I got it, I can do it, I'll be there. And months of that, months of volunteering went by. And I'll never forget the day I was driving down Roswell Road from Sandy Springs to Buckhead. If you're, in, if you're in Atlanta, then you are visualizing this. Everyone else, we're talking about maybe a four mile stretch. And I'm driving and I get a call and it's from the president of the nonprofit that I was volunteering with. And I'm heading down the street to Buckhead because I'm going to Steve Harvey Studios to talk to his manager who was offering me a position as like an office manager type of thing. And I was so excited because again, up until this point, I was still on uh, food stamps. My daughter was still getting like reduced tuition um, at the pre-K and my husband still had a job at Taco Bell like we had one car that we were driving into the ground. It was a lot. It was just a lot. And 
I knew that I was going to hear about this position and I was fully prepared to take it. It didn't even matter what the title was. It didn't matter how much they were offering. I just knew I needed something. But I'm driving down Roswell Road and I get a call from the president of the organization. And he says, you know, we have this center that's going to be opening up and we're going to need a financial management consultant. And unanimously, everyone in the office thinks that you would be the perfect person. And he starts to describe the position. And literally, I had done an exercise called Create Your Ideal Career. And everything that he was reading to me was basically from my prayer journal. True story. And I just knew it was for me. I said, oh my gosh, I didn't ask him how much it paid. I was like, when can I start? He's like, oh, I just want to gauge your interest. It'll probably be open in about nine months. I'm like, oh my gosh, nine months. Like, I need to do something now. <laughs> like, we need support now. I can't wait nine months is what I'm thinking. And I go, okay. He's like, well, do you have a job? And I'm like, mm, I was actually headed to take a job. So he's like, well, hopefully you'll be available at that time and you know, you are definitely number one on our list. And he pumps me up and I'm like, okay, but I'm still thinking I got to go take this job. If it's going to take nine months, I have to do something in the meantime. And I pull in to the office building where the Steve Harvey studios were at the time. And I go in and I'm listening to Rashawn. I'm listening to the description of this job and all I could hear was womp, 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 womp. It was like Charlie Brown. Like, I could make out what they were saying, and I instantly knew that it was not for me. And they said, I think they were going to pay me about $40,000 a year. And at the time, oh, my gosh, it might have as well been a million dollars. And I was like, huh. <laughs> it just didn't sit right in my spirit. And so as they are telling me when I would start and – you know, what I would be doing, I literally blurt out, I can't do it. I can't do it. And by then, Steve had kind of like wandered into the room. He wasn't a part of the full meeting, um, but he did have an idea of what was going on with me in that season. And when I start saying I can't do it, <laughs> Steve was like, you broke, ain't you? Like, what's the problem? Didn't you say you're broke? And I'm like, first of all, sir, um, I'm in a temporary situation. <laughs> I am not broken in spirit. It's just a temporary setback. Um, but I said, I really feel like I'm being called to help people with financial education. Like, I think that's the path I'm supposed to go down. And they looked at me with just this blank look of like, are you serious right now? And yeah, I couldn't even believe when it came out, but I ended up not taking it. And I would love to tell you that the nonprofit gig just came on board and everything was like hunky-dory. It wasn't. I said no to Steve and Rashawn, and then still that job did not even become a real thing for like another year. They went well beyond the nine months. Um, and I did end up taking that job, but in the meantime, I started to really focus on my blog. I had a free blog spot at the time, and I really doubled down on showing up weekly for the blog. I started to pitch myself. 
um, to write for a few other places at the time, like Hello Beautiful and then Black Enterprise. And I did a bunch of odd jobs, but I was holding out to get that full-time job with the nonprofit. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there was like another small opportunity, but I just felt like it would distract me from purpose. And I said, no, I stayed on food stamps. I did. And in 2014, when I would return to that office, I was coming back as a guest. By then I had published my first book and I was getting ready to publish my second book. And my first book was really a compilation of the blog posts that I committed to writing during that year of waiting for the nonprofit job. My mentor at the time, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, when I had a chance to sit down with him, said, you already probably have a book, start with your blog post. And when I did, 60% of my book was really just repurposed content from blogs that I had doubled down on writing during that season. And I share that because when I look back, I think about how distracted I would have been had I taken that job with Steve. And the fact that I could have stayed there well past the season, you know, we'll never know. But also when I returned in 2014 as a guest and I returned as someone who had been consistent and been putting things out there and building a name for myself in the marketplace, I didn't ask the Steve Harvey crew, could I be on the show? It was offered to me. And it's one of the reasons that I say here on the podcast, there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. But who are they watching you be? I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always want to pay high quality prices, if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always want to wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish, but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new-to-me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, what I also love is that Armoire is woman-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. So when I said no in 2010, I had no idea that I would come back in 2014 and what was supposed to be a one-time interview would turn into me being on that show weekly for four years. 
from April 2014 to April 2018. I was the money maven of the Steve Harvey Morning Show. And I think a part of that really comes from the respect that they had for me honoring the call on my life. I think that there is something powerful about hearing someone say that they're going to do something that is so freaking illogical <laughs> that literally does not make sense. And it may sound crazy in the moment, but then to watch them actually go after it and accomplish it. I feel that Steven Rashawn wanted to throw me that lifeline. It just so happens by then I had already been doing some media. I had been doing some local radio, not national radio. And I had built a, I had built my voice up and I had invested in coaching by then. And I knew how to make the most of that one time interview. And it landed me into a four year gig. And I am so grateful that I did not say yes to the position they were offering me. Quite frankly, I would have been miserable in that office. Would my family have had $40,000 a year? Yes, they would. Um, could we have gotten off food stamps sooner? Yes, we could. But it was worth the extra year of sacrifice. And I think sometimes why we don't chase purpose and why we feel like we have to chase money is because we're not always willing to make the sacrifice. We're not always willing to sit in the discomfort. We're not always willing to take that, that leap, like to bet on ourselves. And I'm not saying that when I said I can't do it, I had it all figured out because I am telling you, I blurted it out. It, I wasn't even thinking all the way through when I said I can't do it. But I'm so grateful that my spirit and my soul spoke up for me. I'm so grateful. Because had I worked there in that capacity, I don't think I would have ever gotten the opportunity to become who I was on that platform. And so that is one of the first big times that I will say I chase purpose, not money. And it leads me to a second time. So after I had been on the radio, Steve Harvey morning show radio for a few years, it was probably about a year and a half or so, I would say I really wanted to do television. So I had started to do my local run. So if I went to a city, um, you know, depending on the event that I was there to do, sometimes local television was included and I was getting comfortable doing local television and I really wanted a national opportunity and I was hoping and praying that I would be invited on the Steve Harvey show and it never happened. <laughs> it didn't happen until one day it did. Like I got the call and a producer called and said, Hey, we've been wanting to invite you on the talk show so we could have some continuity and we have a sponsor for this segment you'll be paid fifteen thousand dollars for what would have been like what a four or five minute segment maybe seven minutes max let's call it ten to be safe but it was fifteen thousand dollars and i was like not only Am I finally getting my, my big break to be on national television? Come on, somebody. It comes with a check. What? Absolutely sign me up. And so they're telling me about the partner and describing the segment. And I'm like, okay, okay, this sounds good. Oh my gosh, what are the odds? Because usually it's not a sponsored segment. So you get the, 
benefit of being able to say, oh, I was on this show, but you don't always get paid to do it. That's just the reality. And so I was super excited, like, man, God has given me double for my trouble, <laughs> right? And I get the script via email and I'm reading it and it gets to the end of the script and it has a line in there and it just says some stuff. It has a few lines at the end and it's stuff that I would never say to my friend. I would never say to my daughter and I wouldn't say to the public. I just didn't believe it. And by then I had definitely been building a brand and a name based on integrity that I would say things that I believed. Like, even if you think I am dead wrong, it's okay if I believe it. If I believe it, I'm gonna stand by it. And if I change my mind, I'll say I changed my mind, but I'm not gonna say something I don't believe is the point. And I read the script and I replied back and said, hey, everything looks good. However, this last line, is that something Steve could say? Because they switched that to his part because that's not something I feel comfortable with. And they replied pretty quickly and said, well, no, the brand needs the financial expert to say that. And I replied pretty quickly and said, then I won't be able to do it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And they called me back like, hello. Um, <laughs> do you understand what's happening here? Like literally, it'll be 15 seconds of you saying those words. It's $15,000. This is your shot. We've been trying to get you on the show. This is the opportunity. And I said, I know, but I can't do it. This, that's just not something that I would say. And even for $15,000 and a shot to be on national television, I cannot say that. It just is not in alignment for me. And they said, wow, <laughs> all right, well, hopefully it'll come back around. And I said, if it's for me, it will. Thank you so much. And they found another finance expert and they went ahead and did the segment. And I'm not saying that they were wrong for doing it. There's no judgment there. It obviously was an alignment for them, but it wasn't an alignment for me. Even with that type of money at stake, which at that time, I had not been paid $15,000 to do any one thing in particular in my career. I hadn't. And the opportunity and the exposure would have been great, but I chose not to do it because my purpose calls me to do my best to live a life that's in integrity. And that just didn't feel like it was an in integrity. And so I want to say that I was bummed about it. I can't say that I wasn't, but I know I didn't harp on it much. I know I didn't harp on it much. I, I really walked away with the sense of, well, what's for me is for me. If there's another opportunity, I'm sure it'll come back around. And I just kind of went on about life. And a couple months later, sure enough, uh, another one of the producers on the show reached out and they were like, hey, we have an opportunity for you. This one is also sponsored, but this time you get to create your own talking points. You say whatever you want to say as long as it's in alignment with their brand. And they sent me over a loose script because I had a lot of things that I could fill in and it was paid as well. I don't think it was 15, maybe it was like 10. But 
it was a paid opportunity as well. It was my first opportunity to go on the Steve Harvey talk show and it was amazing. And it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And it was less money, yes, but it was great exposure, obviously. And I got to do it and feel really good about the fact that I was saying what felt right for me. I was saying what was in alignment with my brand and I was using my voice and it was the perfect opportunity. And that was the beginning of the two years or so that I would spend on the Steve Harvey talk show as well as a regular uh, recurring guest expert. So that was my second time chasing purpose, not money. Hey there, if you're brand new to the Redefining Wealth podcast, maybe you've been thinking to yourself, well, what are the six pillars? What's the actual breakdown and what does that all entail? Well, I broke it all down for you in a free audio training called The Truth About Wealth. I want you to go check it out at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. The Truth About Wealth is gonna walk you through what each one of the six pillars are, but it's also gonna help you assess where you are in your journey so that as you continue to listen to the podcast and lean in a little bit more to this idea of becoming a purpose chaser, you know exactly where you need to start. So head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here and get your free audio training, The Truth About Wealth, today. I'm sharing these because I think that, that you keep being faced with this stuff, you know? I've gotten opportunity after opportunity over the years where people have laid out some stuff and made it sound really, really good and it's been aligned with great brands and really powerful names and then when it got down to the details it did not feel right in my spirit it looked great on paper and if i posted that i said yes to any of these things you all will cheer and applaud and congratulate me but at the end of the day it behind the scenes when i'm at home <laughs> you know on my time in my prayer closet it doesn't feel right I just can't do it, no matter how much you would applaud it. I just can't do it because it looks good on the resume. I'm not going to do it just because it beefs up the bio. It has to feel right in my spirit. That's what chasing purpose looks like for me, is following the God winks that feel right in my spirit. And the things that don't, being okay with the no, because I know who these sources, and I know that any of these opportunities are literally just resources. And I have to see them as such and detach from any outcome that I feel like, you know, will come from that. Oh, this one will make me, or this one will make me. I'm already made cause I'm here <laughs> and I've committed to walking in purpose. And I've understood that this journey is not about perfection it's literally just about obedience so I've already won because I'm here any one of these particular gigs or opportunities are not the win right like I want Oprah to call me call me Oprah call me girl right I don't mind Oprah calling me but if she were to call me and the opportunity was not something that felt right in my spirit I would still have to say no it's literally that simple. 
And so I want to remind you that whether you're just starting out or you are evolving and going to new levels and new heights in your career, you are going to be faced with so many opportunities that sound good and look good, but everything that is permissible is not beneficial. And it's especially not beneficial to your soul, to your destiny, to your purpose. Some things are really just distractions wrapped up in pretty paper with nice logos attached to them. And so I find myself facing this all the time. And one that has come up for me over and over again is that I am constantly pitched to be a part of television shows. I have been pitched to be a part of television shows for probably the last five or six years. And I will sit on Zoom calls well before the pandemic or Google Meets with well-meaning producers or directors or production companies, and they will share ideas for shows. Um, I, I have I have heard and seen it all, and I don't want to say because I don't want to give away people's intellectual property or their ideas. So I've just let's just say I've been pitched for everything under the sun that has to do with money, and. 89% of them, I just say no on the spot. It got to the point where I didn't even want to get on those calls anymore. Gerald would just do them for me and then bring me the stuff that he really thought was even remotely a possibility. But I had been on so many calls to the point where I would sit back and say, I really appreciate you reaching out, um, but you should know this about me. I chase purpose, not money, and I'm not hard-pressed to be on TV. True story. I would say that on pitch like calls with producers and I could just see Gerald on the zoom like do you do you even want to kind of pretend that you want to be on television because it was naturally the next thing in my career like it would just make sense considering all the things that I've already had success with and so you know we would get off those calls and I would come upstairs and he would come downstairs and we would look at each other in the kitchen. Like, what was that about? What were you doing? Did you want to pretend that you might want to do the show or like what's happening? Eh, I mean, if it didn't feel in alignment, it was just a no. And then last year, 2021, I got on the phone or on a zoom call with a whole cast of people. There had to be maybe four people on on that call and I remember hearing the pitch for this show and feeling so drawn in and so deeply connected and it got to a point where I was listening and then it was my time to talk and then I started talking but I was choking up like I was so full because I felt so like this is this is for me and I was so used to like brushing off these TV opportunities it's like I was still just doing calls here and there to keep myself fresh or something but I was so used to brushing it off that I was prepared to get on and just brush it off and this one just like gripped me and I sat there and I listened to the premise and And the only thing I could think was, this is what I needed. In 2009, when you hear me tell the story about being on the bathroom floor, 
and being sick and tired of being sick and tired and chasing the power man down to turn my lights back on and facing eviction notices and suffering in silence because I had no idea that there was actual support out there. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know that I could get help and I didn't have to be so afraid and so ashamed and so embarrassed and humiliated. Like there were people who just wanted to help and could help. I had no idea that was a thing. And so they're telling me the premise of the show and giving me examples of the families that could be helped and the resources that would be made available to them. And I instantly felt like this is for me. I started to cry on, on the Zoom with four strangers. 20, 30 minutes in, I'm in full-blown tears. I knew that this was for me. Now, obviously, if you follow me on Instagram, then you already know that I was casted for a show called Opportunity Knox, which is supposed to come out this fall on PBS. That's public broadcasting. So that's um, all over the country. And obviously it's public broadcasting. So we're going to keep it real, right? So it's not the money that I could have made going with a major network. Because I've been approached by major like cable networks. Um, but the shows were messy. The shows wanted to create conflict between husband and wife. The shows were intervention style, but I could tell that the editing would make me seem, because you know your girl could be a little sassy, they would try to edit it to make it seem like I was messy as opposed to I'm someone that gives tough love. Like, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to talk to you crazy. And depending on how the editing goes, I could sound like a real B.I. You know what I'm saying? I could sound like a really not nice person. But if you know me, if you listen to me, if you interact with me, you know that's the furthest thing from the truth. But it's just it's just who I am. And if I didn't align myself with the right people, they could completely dismantle and destroy my reputation with just some poor editing, right? And so... What I loved about Opportunity Knox is that it would be helping families that were similar to me at different stages in this journey. And I know what it's like to suffer in silence. I know what it's like to be too afraid or ashamed to get help. I know what it's like to not even know where to go to get help. And I wanted to be a part of a show that would expose not just the families we were helping, but expose the community, expose the country to the fact that there are so many nonprofit organizations that are willing to help, right? And there's so many um, CDFIs, community development financial institutions that are there to help with different financial strains in your life, right in your backyard. And you don't even know, because I know I didn't know at the time. So I didn't do the show because I'm hard pressed to be on television because honestly, I'm still not. 
I didn't do the show because it was coming with the largest check I could potentially get for television because it's honestly not. I chose to do the show because it's in alignment with my purpose. If you've known me for a while, you know that I refer to myself as a hope restoring coach. And I know because of my background that I could share my story and that it would be so supportive for so many people to see that someone could go through so many financial challenges and failures and still by first shifting their mindset, they could still end up okay. Like their lives still had meaning, it still had purpose. Like they could save again, they could get out of debt, they could restore their credit, they could buy a home again, they could buy a car without double digit interest rates. Like I was a poster child for everything that could go wrong from repossession to foreclosure to short sales to all the things, such a poster child, bankruptcy. And the fact that I could be here completely restored and then some, right? I want people to know that it's possible. Like, I just want people to have hope that they won't always be in that place, in that space. And this gives me an opportunity to do that without all the extra drama that most networks want to create for ratings. And I get it, but I always knew that if I was going to do it, I needed to be a part of something that felt right in my spirit. And you know, at the time that this comes out, you never know, you know, television stuff, it's on one day, it's off the next day. I have no idea. I pray and hope and pray some more that you will get to witness um, this amazing show and this amazing concept. But for me, it has been another example of chasing purpose, not money, because this is so in alignment for me, even if it doesn't seem like the biggest or glitziest you know, of all that's out there, it's in alignment for me. And I feel so fortunate to be a part of that production of that cast of everything that has to do with it. So you know, yours may not be TV related and may not have big names attached. But we've all received an offer had an opportunity where we got to make a choice. And many of us make choices rooted in fear. That's chasing the money, not faith, which is chasing the purpose. And so I, I jotted down some practical questions that I felt I could support you. If you find yourself in a choice in this season or next, here are some things you can ask yourself when you have a decision to make and you know that you're teetering on the verge of making the choice only because of the money. First question, what does it feel like in my body? What does it feel like in my body? When I described what happened on Opportunity Knocks, when I had the initial call, what happened in my body is that I had this warm sensation and I was so choked up, like my throat <laughs> got tight. I was so choked up and overwhelmed in a good way. Like I felt my body was like, this is it, you know? And I started to tear up in a good way. But I've also felt when it wasn't for me, I felt hot, 
but I felt like a tightness in my chest. And you'll have to discern what it is for you. I just felt this like very wrong tightness in my chest. That's the best way that I can describe it. Um, when I went to sleep, I had no peace. Right. If I ever said, let me sleep on it, I really didn't need to sleep on it. I just needed to accept that it was a no. But then when I tried to sleep on it, I had no peace. I was tossing and turning. When something is for me, I don't toss and turn. I sleep like a baby. Maybe I wake up early with that, like, you know, schoolgirl giddy excitement, waking up early, excited about it. But I don't toss and turn. Right. So what does it feel like in your body when it's time to make a choice. The second question, would I really do this if no money was attached? Would I really do this if no money was attached? So with the first example, um, with, you know, working for Steve Harvey and being an office manager back in the day, I was willing to work with no money attached. I was willing to continue to volunteer for the nonprofit organization. I was not willing to be the office manager for Steve Harvey for no money. Like I wasn't willing to do that. If I did it, it was clearly gonna be just for the money. But I was willing to continue to volunteer at the nonprofit organization for no money. Why? Because it was fulfilling me. It was exposing me to things that I was genuinely interested in. It felt like the, the right next best step, right? It felt like you should be here. There were little winks. There were conversations. There were things that I would read and that I had no idea were even a, a thing or a possibility for me. It literally set the foundation for who I would become because I realized there was a market for people like me to share their story and to help people with personal finance. I did not know it was a real thing before volunteering at that nonprofit. And so I would do it for no money. And I know that because I did it for no money. You know, many of the brands that I work with today, I would share about them anyway. They are things that I was sharing anyway. And then the brand was like, oh, let's do something formal, right? I'm always gonna share good information or good tips or good tools or good resources with my community just because that's who I am. My first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton, she told me when you know something, you have a responsibility to share with your friends. So the things that I share are things that I would have shared anyway. So the fact that I get paid for it is bonus, but I would have shared it anyway. And I do share it, especially like with my private groups or with my, you know, closer clients, right? I share it anyway. So that's something to ask yourself. And here's the big one. Will I be proud of this decision after the money has been spent? So when the money is long gone, when you look back, are you gonna be proud of what you said? Are you gonna be proud of what you did, of how you spent your time, of who you lent your gifts and your talents to? Are you gonna look back and go, I'm really glad that I was there in that space for that time. I know that I had great impact. For me, I always think about when I'm long gone, will Reagan, my daughter, Google me and be proud of what she sees? When it came, time to assess whether I would say yes or no to different television gigs. And some of them were like established franchises and they were looking for another woman to come on or they were looking for a financial voice to add to a circumstance. 
those are some of the things that I've turned down in the past. And I always thought if my daughter Googled me and saw me on a couch talking to this particular couple or talking to this group of women and they broke out in a fight and I was just sitting there <laughs> or they start cursing each other out and I was just sitting there. Is that something that I would want my name and my image and my likeness to be attached to? Because I got a check. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not for me. And so I always think about, would I be proud of this decision well after that money is gone? So those are the questions. And I want you to remember, chasing money is rooted in fear. It's fear that there won't be provision if you don't do the thing. It's fear of what people will say or think if you say no to the thing. It's fear that another opportunity won't come around or fear that this is the best you'll ever get. And you can probably list so many other fears. But when you say yes to something just because of the money, just because of the paycheck, it's typically attached to fear. Now, again, if you are literally in survival mode, like you are in dire straits and you're in survival mode, I get it. And I want you to learn from this episode, but there's a great possibility that some of this may not feel like it applies to you. And I understand that. But the average person listening, you know, good and hell well what I'm saying. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. When you were thinking about leaving one job to go to the next and you know you're going to hate that one too, but hey, it's a paycheck. I'm talking to you. You're the entrepreneur that keeps taking on clients that you know are not in alignment for you and they are driving you crazy. They are draining you and you keep accepting it and allowing it as opposed to saying no to them and dialing in on who you actually should be serving. I'm talking to you. If you're a college kid getting ready to graduate and you have a couple jobs in front of you and one of them doesn't pay as much, but it is completely in alignment with your soul and what you feel purpose to do but you're on the verge of taking the other job that looks better on paper and your parents like it and it has a better title and paycheck, I'm talking to you. It may be uncomfortable initially and you may need to sacrifice, but we have to stop being okay with sacrificing our souls and our mental health in our physical well-being because we allow ourselves to be stressed because we know good and heck well we're not where we should be in our relationships and any other number of things that we just put on a platter when we are chasing a paycheck we have to be willing to go through the discomfort that's a part of the chasing purpose journey hate to tell you actually glad to tell you because I'm a survivor <laughs> and every year I'm faced with new opportunities and new possibilities and I still have to ask myself these questions and I still have decisions to make and I could make decisions rooted in fear and I could dress it up and make it sound good and you guys would cheer but at the end of the day I want to sleep I want to have peace and I want to know that I've made choices that are completely in alignment with my spirit And when your spirit is restless, more than likely, 
your choices are reckless. Your choices are just about the money. Chasing purpose is rooted in faith. Faith that what's for you is for you. So you're not afraid of missing out on any opportunities. Faith that when something is for me energetically, I can feel it. Even when I'm still a little afraid or anxious, I know it in my spirit, this is for me. Faith that if God gave me a vision, the provision is always present in some form or fashion. So if I don't see it immediately, I'm going to fight to see it by asking better questions. Faith that my best is yet to come because it's definitely not behind me. And faith that I get to do things that feel in alignment with my spirit. That I get to do it. It's not just for so-and-so over there. It's not just for Patrice Washington. It's not just for insert whoever it is you listen to and you like. You have to claim that this extends and applies to you as well. Because I believe God is no respecter of person. And I do believe that if it's true for me, it's true for you. I'm not here by happenstance. I've had to say no to a lot of things to live the life that I live today. And I didn't just start saying no. I've been saying no to things for a very long time. And I truly believe it's the only reason, not that I've had some measure of success, but that I can have no regrets about much of it. Some people have success, but they regret all types of things because they know they did a lot of shady, slimy, sleazy stuff to get there and they feel some kind of way. I don't feel that. That's why my favorite affirmation, I deserve to be wealthy because of the value I add to others. And I know that with everything in me, I've done my best to do that in integrity. So I feel good about what I've created. I do. And I still believe the best is yet to come. I don't even think I've scratched the surface. But I know that in order to continue to grow, I'm going to have to keep saying no to things that are not in alignment. Doesn't matter what paycheck they're attached to. I have to say yes to things that are in alignment with my purpose. So I hope that this serves you. I hope that you can take something away from this episode and look at your own life and even consider the times that you said yes just because of the money or paycheck. Where did that get you? How did it make you feel energetically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically? Be honest with yourself because if you're radically honest with yourself, the next time you have a choice, you can make a definitively better decision that I believe will serve you and keep you on the path of purpose. So that's it for me. If this was a blessing to you, let's talk about it. You can come over to the free Redefining Wealth Facebook group uh, and share your thoughts, your nuggets, your takeaways, or hit me up on Instagram, Seek Wisdom PCW, and tell me what you thought about this episode. Again, make sure you like, no, is it like? Mm, you can like this video if you're watching on YouTube, but I meant to say rate and review the podcast. It helps us find other purpose chasers just like you well it helps them find us uh with all the algorithms so please 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 rate and review it helps so much um and next week come back i'm gonna be talking to someone that i just have come to adore her work 
Jen Sinchetto from You're a Badass at Making Money will be here on the podcast and her work has been a game changer and allowed me to also see why I deserve to be wealthy because of the value I add to others. Such a great book. Uh, the ladies in Purpose to Platform right now are forming a book club because they're reading it together and it's just going to be incredible. So anyhow, come back next week. Stay tuned. Make, make sure you subscribe and that's it for me. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.